Hey everyone, welcome to the Curious Girl Diaries podcast. I'm Layla London, aka The Curious Girl. Now, just to let you know, this podcast is not suitable for work. It's also not suitable for anybody under 18. But the rest of you consenting adults, let's get ready to talk about my sex life, sex in general, and everything in between in explicit, raunchy, fun detail. All right, here we go. You go from Oklahoma to Los Angeles and you end up working for Playboy. How did, I do. How did that end up, How did that happen? Especially with my sexuality. I feel like a lot of the richness and the depth and the really, really important lessons that I'm getting, I'm getting now. All of a sudden realizing, oh, this is how men see me. And realizing, oh, right. wait a minute, there's power in that. How am I going to use that? How am I going to learn from that? I had this talk one time, I had a friend on my podcast, and I said, and we were hypothesizing that, you know, if every woman had $5 million in the bank account, in her own bank account, there'd be a lot of lonely guys, you know, because once, once you take the finances out of it, women are able to make different decisions based on different things. And it's usually more, who do I really love? Hey guys, welcome to the Curious Girl Diaries podcast. Well, I have another really great guest on today. I'm super excited. Her name is Valerie Baber. Is that right? Baber? That's right. You got it. All right. Yes. I am just going to jump right in because we had, I feel like I wish I would have just recorded our pre-recording call. Like we just got into so many subjects, but it was, it was great because now I, you know, now I've narrowed it down to what I want to talk to you about, but I almost feel like you're going to be the type of guest where after we do one, I'm going to be like, okay, now I've got 10 more. There's 10 more questions behind that. So I'll have you back on, but let's just get going with the, with number one. So give us just Give my listeners a little bit about your background because you mentioned to me that it was kind of conservative. Right. Yes. So I was um, born in Virginia to a military family. My dad was in the military and we moved around a bit, but I was raised primarily in Oklahoma. Also uh, conservative, not just because of the military, but because Oklahoma is the Bible Belt. And I went to church every Sunday morning, Sunday evening, Wednesday evening, and a vacation Bible school. My dad read the Bible to me as the story, bedtime stories. He read the Bible to me. So uh, Jesus was very present in my upbringing as it is, as it is with many people. And I think specifically people uh, from smaller towns, more, more specifically uh, people from very rural towns, which is uh, where I was. So that I had a religious upbringing, a conservative upbringing until I was about 12 years old. And then my uh, parents got divorced and that just flipped my whole world upside down. So uh, not so conservative after that, but even though things changed, I still had this sort of God and the Bible and everything that I, I had been raised with as my uh, sort of underlying my fear to do too much. I guess my, my, I, I don't want to call it my North Star because I don't really think that it was guiding me to to the right things or the best things for myself. Mm-hmm. But that was really the, I guess, the parental figure that I had in my life. And then things changed when I was about 19 years old. What changed? 
<laughs> well, when I was 19, I actually had made a... Oh, it's so confusing. So much happened at this point in my life, but I, I will I will try to condense it. I decided to go uh, to Los Angeles. So I had finished one year of college. I ran out of money. I wasn't able to afford any more college. And I decided that I was going to go out to LA and pursue an acting career. I had been in theater when I was in high school and also my one year of university. And I, I wanted to be an actress. I wanted to, to be someone or do something interesting at the very least. And I didn't think that that could happen in Oklahoma. There, there's very limited opportunity out there. And so I wanted to you know, do something and also to be as far away from my family as possible yeah. because they were absolutely, at this time, absolutely toxic and had no, just no clue. You know, they didn't, the only guidance that they had in their life was, was the Bible too. So there were a lot of, uh, there was a lot of pain there for me. So in going to the West Coast, I could try to um, not just do something interesting with my life, but also sort of allow myself a, a therapeutic escape. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so then you had to, so, okay, so you go from Oklahoma to Los Angeles and you end up working for Playboy. How did, I do. How did that end up, How did that happen? I do end up working for Playboy. So I was actually, you know, at first I didn't, I didn't want to do that. I wanted a, and I'm doing finger quotes here for the, you know, the people who are listening, um, yeah. you know, a real job. I didn't want to get naked for a living. I didn't want to do anything sexual for a living. God would never forgive me. That would be a, a ticket the, on the fast train to hell. Uh-huh. So that that was absolutely not something yeah. that I wanted to do, but my real job, the only real job that I could get as a, as a 19 year old with no real experience, no real job experience outside of restaurants and a tanning salon, no complete education, mm-hmm. uh, no connections whatsoever. My family we were very, very poor. You know, we weren't connected. We didn't have resources of any kind, human, monetary, any other kind. So here I am, this teenager with, with absolutely no skill set. So the only real job that I can get is pretty much working in a restaurant. And and I did that. And then I realized that my part-time nightclub and restaurant work, $7 an hour, three nights a week, wasn't going to pay the bills that I had to pay. Yeah, not in LA. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, not in LA. I mean, I don't know about, I, I don't know that it would really work in many places, but definitely not in Los Angeles. And I didn't, again, you know, I didn't have a daddy or anyone who could pay my bills. He couldn't even pay his own bills. My parents were struggling themselves. My entire family was struggling themselves. So they weren't going to help me out. And, and I honestly think that there was a part of them that wanted to see me fail because yeah. they were, had never done anything for for themselves. They had never accomplished really much success in their own lives. And I, I think that it would have made them feel a lot better if to see me also not be able to accomplish anything. Yeah. So I was, I was determined to not go back home. Yeah. I didn't feel like home and I, and that's not what I wanted. So I, anyway, going back to this restaurant three days a week, $7 an hour, I couldn't pay the bills. I was crying to the bartender that worked at this, this place that I was working at saying, I, I don't even, I don't know how I'm going to do this. I don't I have nowhere to go. I can't pay the rent. I can't even afford gas to put in my car to go back home. And I would do anything at this point. I would do I would work for Playboy if I could. And he said, "Well, I don't um I don't know anybody at Playboy, but I do know a man who owns a club 
and dancers make a lot of money. And I went, okay, I don't even know how to dance, but whatever, I need money. Yeah. So I, I started dancing around a pole and it was very clumsy and uh, I was horrible at it, but I was very, very young. So Fresh Meat made some money, uh, started to feel really liberated. And I also became a little bit more comfortable with you know, exposing myself. And uh, I signed up for some modeling agencies and I completely wanted to do print work. As I had done uh, before, I had done a couple of commercial print photo shoots and I wanted to do mainstream, of course, because I'm, I'm actually a good girl, but yeah. nobody wants, nobody wants cute 19 year old girls to keep their clothes on in Hollywood, it turns out. And the only yeah. way that the, the uh, agents uh, will only send you out for, you know, sexy girl stuff. And I needed to eat. So I had an agent who informed me that Playboy was having a a contest. It was called the Sexy Girl Next Door Contest. And all I had to do was take a video um, at home with him shooting, of course, like 15 minutes rolling around in bed in my lingerie. Right. And I went, okay, well, I roll around in stage and lingerie or less. I can do this. And also Playboy is is more glamorous and maybe it'll, it'll pay more. And, and so I, um, submitted, he submitted this tape for me and I got in and won my segment of the contest and that opened the door for me to do, to, to do other work with Playboy. So and I did it. <laughs> well, okay. So, and then what was the additional work that you did for Playboy when you were working for them? So I did some modeling. I I wasn't a playmate. I wasn't a centerfold. I didn't get that big glamorous spread, but I did some modeling like back of the pages, back of the magazine modeling. And I also, the the most fun work that I did for them was as a host, a Playboy TV host. So I was one of many who rotated and the shows that I did, there was one in particular called Succedera and I essentially worked as a a sex journalist for them. Oh, that's interesting. (laughs) Yeah, they sent me to talk to people um, through the states and around the world about pretty much their alternative adult lives, yeah. um, their, their secret jobs, their secret lives, their secret sexuality, whatever you know. We all have uh, we all have that aspect in our lives, but not all of us are willing to put it out there. Not everybody right. so so open about it. So I went to talk to these people who were very brave and, and open. And it was a really, really fascinating insight to what people have going on in their lives and, and what they're shamed for. And it was, it helped, it helped me to be even more interested in human nature. I already was, but this just lit the fire. Yeah. Can you remember one person or I don't know, a couple that really stood out? Like you thought, wow, this is really some far out stuff like this is interesting Bar- yeah <laughs> yeah well gosh it was, it was such a long time ago it was the early 2000s I remember going to a fetish club in Rotterdam and mm. seeing people's fetishes you know what they dressed up as and how they played and what you know, got them off it was really interesting to me I learned myself that I actually love the look of latex. I am super into latex clothes. And for me, it's not so much a sexual thing, but you know, I just like, I like the way it shines and the way it sounds and the process of putting it on and people, how people look in it. So learning about people's fetishes, um, there was another thing. I went to Vegas to a swingers club and I watched this couple, this woman squirt. And that was the first time that I had ever seen it. It was a mighty, mighty show. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and let's see, Nebraska, there was a, a young woman who 
got into some legal trouble because she was um, rented. This was before OnlyFans, right? And so she had her own website that she was earning a little extra income off of by taking topless photos around town. Yeah. But she was taking some of those topless photos in public places and that's illegal. So there was this whole lawsuit, you know, the, the house, the housewives didn't like her too much and, and went after her for just trying to support herself, which I think is just absurd. So and we still there, have, there we still have a lot of that to date, even, you know, even mm-hmm. at this point, I don't know if you caught it. There was a woman in Sacramento, I believe, and she had an OnlyFans and her children went to Catholic school and they kicked her kids out of Catholic school because she had an OnlyFans. Wow. Yeah. That's, that's really, that is so sad to me. And I, I, I'm trying to understand, I imagine what they were thinking that is that if a woman is practicing this or she has those kind of proclivities and she can't be a good mother, she can't, she's probably teaching her children to send to, or she's probably you know, do, having weird sexual acts with her children. Her kids didn't know. Her kids didn't know until she, until this happened. And her kids have nothing to yeah. do with it. But even, but even if they, even if they knew that she was doing that, that doesn't, a person being sexual doesn't, if a person has a sexuality, that does not mean that they can't be a good parent or a good employee or a good assistant, right. whatever it is they are. I mean, we all have multiple talents or all good for, for several, you know, things and maybe, why can't she be sexy and also a stellar parent? I'm sure that there are people out there who are very, in fact, I know that there are people out there who are conservative parents who would never do anything like that. And they're crap at parenting. So it's just, it's so sad to me that people's fears and insecurities about sex would potentially destroy lives of young people. Yeah, I know. I really found that Interesting and also very sad because, again, it's not, this doesn't really have anything to do with the kids. If you don't want the mom on campus, you could just say you can't, you know, you're not allowed on campus. But to punish the children and, and basically expel the kids from school, that's what happened. You know, grade school kids, grade school kids. And I just, I found it so interesting. But the truth is, when you go to a private institution like that, they have the right to, if you do anything, you post something on your Facebook that they don't like, and they can, you know, they have a right to take it up with you. Anything that you do that puts the school in a negative light for any reason, that's the contract you have with them. You can be, you can be ousted. And I, again, I, I felt like you can tell her she cannot come on campus. You know, she can't. Right. But the kids can attend. The kids aren't doing anything wrong. They were great, good students and all that. Anyway, kind of fascinating. How, how does, how could it possibly, her work that has nothing to do with the school, that doesn't mention the school, possibly put the school in a negative light? Uh, I mean, now it has because now it has. was. It went national. This went national. Yeah. 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 But if nobody ever said anything, if the dad who was on OnlyFans going, wait a minute, I recognize that woman. She's the mom of, you know, if he had just put his mouth shut and let her do what she does. Well, what, so what happened, you know, because you were talking, you were going to go back to what you were saying earlier about, you know, the moms not liking it. It was the moms, right? Their husbands had somehow gotten wind of it. Obviously, they're probably watching it, jacking off to it, whatever. The you know some of these moms found out and you know just lynched her. I mean, you know, just went to the went to the diocese and were like, get rid of her. She's got to go. 
and they just kept at it and kept at it until that finally happened. And I just, again, I think it's like, really, are you that worried that you're what, you know, she, trust me, she's not interested in your husband. If you don't want to fuck him, she doesn't. Right. Right. I hate to be crass, but like, really, let's just get down to it. Like your husbands are not in jeopardy. Right. They do feel it as a threat to their, their relationship, their marriage. But if you're at that point, you're, they can't punish their husbands. So they're going to, they can't punish their husbands. So they're going to punish her is that's really kind of the deal. And, and they punish the entire school and all, and all of the kids. And it's just, ladies work on yourselves. Exactly. Exactly. Mm -hmm. You know what Mm -hmm. you work on your, how about you? You know, if you find that, why don't you work on being your, your husband's little sexy vixen and you know, that's what you won't have to worry about this stuff. Like you won't, maybe you'd watch it with him, (laughs) you know, you'd have fun with it. But so, so yeah. So what were your, um, I think there is room for a lot of that. I think that women do sort of, they do like, let it go. They stop being the sexy vixen. They lose their interest in men and, and they say, Oh, you know what? We're beyond that. We're friends now. We're roommates now. He, we're parents. We can't do that kind of thing. I'm not into it. And they assume that the man is also not going to be into it, thinking that they're beyond it. He's not. It's absolutely not true. Now I do want to, in defense of some women, sometimes listen you know, I've been, I've not been married. I've been in relationships with men, and after a few months, I've gone, "Ew, like, I don't want to touch this guy. He's really nice. He's 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 a nice guy, and sometimes I enjoy his company. But uh, yeah, I don't want anything to do with that. So I I understand uh, the apathy, and also if you're afraid that somebody else is going to take him away, and you don't want that to happen, girl, you've got to step up your game, and then also mm-hmm. maybe have a have a conversation with him too. You know, if he's gained a little bit too much, he's drinking beer too much on the weekends, you get him on the treadmill with you. Yeah. We'll work on it together. Right. You know? Yes. And and that is a simplification. I, you know, for the sake of the show, I don't think that it would, it would really make sense to, to cover all of the possible, you know, elements that could contribute to libidos being lost and, you know, sex drives. There's a changing. lot. But yeah. That's a big, that's a whole, we could just do a podcast on that subject alone. Cause that there's right. a lot of meat on that bone for sure. But right. so what were some of your biggest lessons or takeaways in working for Playboy? And do you have any regrets about that? Uh, working for Playboy had its moments. I, I, I had a lot of fun. I met some of the, the funnest, kindest, most spirited um, people, a couple of them have remained friends. They've been my longest lasting friends and they're genuine, nice people. I think maybe there some people would have the impression that a, a Playboy producer or a Playboy model would not have any you know, ethics um, or be sort of these, these dark characters. But some of the most solid people I know came from that world. So I was less to to enjoy some time and meet some good 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 quality people i will have these experiences that are very very rare to have you know going to the playboy mansion when hef was still alive and he was having his parties being on that list was kind of magical and and to be honest you know it's one of the things that people ask a lot is where the where those parties just amazing and um you know, what was most amazing for me is, is being on the guest list and being able to say that I've been there and done it. Yeah. Uh, 
you can't just bring your friends to the Playboy Mansion party. You know, you had to, you had to go alone unless you were also friends, unless you were friends with somebody else on the list. Right. So I went alone and it wasn't really the same for me. Um, as people who maybe had a, a big group of play friends. Um, yeah. But it was still a really magical experience. I, I One day I'm going to be 80 and I'm going to look back on on that work and go, damn girl, get it! Yeah. Cute. <laughs> yes. <laughs> or, or, that was fun and you live life. I learned about um, hypocrisy and there's in my dating experience. You know, Every man wanted to be with a Playboy model until they realized that they were actually with one. And then it became a thing that just scared the shit out of them. Insecurity. Right. Creeping in. Right. How did you handle that? With a broken heart and a lot Mm -hmm. of anger. And um, yeah, yeah. So they they all, everybody, it seems to me that many men lusted after a certain kind of woman. They wanted the glamour girl. Mm -hmm. But then, you know, when reality, when they were hit with reality, this is, this is, her profession. This is how she makes money. She gets a lot of attention. You know, she's not, um, she's maybe she's not so easy to control. She has her own, she has her own set of standards and she she calls her own shots. Uh, that really, really changes things. And it's hard to be connected to someone or, or to want to meet the family and not get to meet the family because how would he explain what you do for a living to his sweet little mom who would never, you know, accept you. So so it, it was really hard, but it was a good lesson and really helped me to stop and think about how conflicted we are about our desires, what we say we want versus what we really want, who, who we think we want to be with versus who we really want to be with. So th- there were so many lessons and, and out of dancing too, I got a lot of lessons from oh. being at the club. And I feel like you, I feel like we've already covered, you live, you've lived five lives already and we're like only a half an hour in. <laughs> See, this is I what definitely I mean. have. I knew there's going to be, I'm like, there's a story behind the story. And I, I'm like, I won't have time to get to all of it today. But that's why I'm uh-huh. like, I'm going to have you back. I already knew. I was just like, there's some, there's a lot here. Yes. This woman has lived. So I, um, I love it. I love it. I feel that way too. I feel like, I mean, not, I sort of did it in a reverse order, I guess. I don't know that I, I've always, I feel like I've always done things a little march to the beat of my own drum. You know, people were doing this and I was like, no, you know, I just did things in different orders, but I feel like where I benefited from that was just experiencing certain things at certain ages that would have been handled differently if I was experiencing when I was younger. So I I kind of feel like, especially with my sexuality, I feel like a lot of the richness and the depth and the really, really important lessons that I'm getting I'm getting now when I'm most able to just take them in and use them quickly and see the see the lesson quickly. So I don't need to keep making that same mistake over and over. And I'm like, oh yeah, okay, got it. Thank you. <laughs> you know. Well, you are very fortunate then because I definitely was not ready to have some of the lessons that I had when I when I had them. So yeah. I, I think it's it's great that you're in the position that you're in or the positions. I, I, yes. I you about you. <laughs> yeah. I'm, yes. The positions. Exactly. Well, it's different. You know, I think back like the things I wasn't aware of, but that I was exposed to as a 20 year old, you know, in my twenties, let's say as a 20 year old woman, probably like a lot of 20 year old women. I mean, you just like the things of the sex on the sexual scale, like that are just so 
pervasive and around you. And I think back and I, I always tell people, I'm so lucky I wasn't raped or dead in a ditch somewhere. Some of the, you know, just poor decision making, quite frankly, that I, as a young lady, got myself into with, you know, not knowing whether or not this person, like I said, is going to leave me dead in a ditch somewhere. Just, I'm really, like, somebody was looking out for me because I'm still alive. And I just, I, we're going to, I want to get into that. I want to get into, like, knowing what you know now, like, you know, what you would advise your 20 year old self. And, but we'll get, let's, we'll get to that at the, uh, closer to the end of the podcast. But so how do you think just exposure to that world in the playboy, you know, the, in the playboy genre, how, how do you think that, did that affect your views on sexuality or what did that lay the path for, for you sexually? Hmm. My, my work in, in the adult industry in general i think that it it made me a lot more confident not to say that there wasn't a time in my 20s as i think there are i would say in most women's lives where we're just really begging to be loved and we're very much in performance mode and we'll do anything and even degrade ourselves for you know a little attention and some i i've definitely been through that yeah but i think overall it made me more more confident i feel that i've i have secrets like i know some things that give me a little extra edge in my yeah. relationships or even just walking down the street just knowing that i've got it in a way that other women don't or, or are fearful of or just have never been exposed to it. I think that kind of, there's like a pheromone attached to that. People smell it, they pick up on it, yeah. and they react to us differently when we have that. Yes. So, so, yeah, so I'm kind of like a little bit of a badass you know, because of it sometimes. I've got my off days, but... No, no, I'm just like, yes, I know. See, I know what you're talking about in a different way that I experienced, you know, this type of stuff, exposure to, you know, all of a sudden realizing, oh, this is how men see me and realizing, oh, right. wait a minute, there's power in that. How am I going to use that? How am I going to learn from that? And from, you know, I, I mean, from definitely from like, 18 on like in my I mean I I used that I knew like hey you got to use all the tools in your tool belt and if you're an attractive female there's certain things that come with that and you know you can you can use it any way you want but I definitely used it for my betterment not to you know not not to take advantage of anybody or anything like that but I I got it I was like uh-huh this is just as good as you know it, I I was smart and I got it. So I was like, uh-huh. All right. Well, men fall in love with their eyes. They have, a, this is a, it's in some sense, I remember thinking like when I was very young going, this is a bit of a weakness and I can exploit this a little bit and it's going to help me. And I know those are strong words when I say weakness and exploit. And I don't mean to say that I was, again, doing anybody any harm, but you know, you just, you saw it around you. It clicked in and boom, you know, you definitely, I would say I definitely used it to my advantage. And very lucky to have both intelligence and, and looks and to think about how you're going to combine those to, to gain for yourself. And I, and I don't think that anybody should apologize for that because everybody, man, woman, 
regardless of you know where they're coming from, they're going to use something that they feel confident about to to get further in life, to get what they want. They come they come forward with different things, a different set of qualities, different possessions, but they come forward with it. So yeah. why would we apologize about you know, being intelligent women or attractive women or especially both? <laughs> so because yeah. I think I don't because you're not supposed to say that. I did a podcast about that. I know when I said at one point and I said, look, I'm not going to lie and say that I d- I've been in this body my whole life. I know how people react to me. I, you know, I'm not going to say that I don't. And that and that's not me. I'm certainly not like, you know, a supermodel. But I understand from a very, you know, I learned it from a young age. You know, when you walk into a room or, you know, how people were reacting to especially men how people react to that and what you what that brings and how you can utilize that as a tool in your life for betterment for things and so you know and then you, and then you couple that with with cleverness because I, I always like to say that the other thing I have is I'm very clever <laughs> when you couple when you put those two together it's like okay yes now we're cooking with gas <laughs> Well, you're you're a curious girl, and curiosity right. is going to make you clever. You, yeah. you wouldn't learn if you didn't go explore. So totally, totally. But did we answer? You know, just I guess your you know how it sort of shaped your views on sexuality, having those experiences at that time in your life. I think that, gosh, there is just so much to cover. I'm going to try to get to yeah. condense, bring it up, okay. boil it all down. People, it is it is such a force in in everyone's life, whether we like to admit it or not. And and I think that we need to stop being afraid of it. But in order to stop being afraid of it, we need to approach it from a little bit, a bit, a lot more of a you know a psychological and an intellectual standpoint. And I'm not saying totally wipe out all the fun, you know, dirty bits that those yeah. those are fun. But they're more fun when you understand the root of them. The, cause, why you like them, yeah. why they're present. And then you understand how to use them safely in your relationship or relationships or whatever your situation is. But this is something that we need to embrace. You know, we can't, we can't escape it. We can't put our heads in, in the sand, except that this is a part of our lives and question, question it and keep questioning it. Why, why do I like this? Why is this important? What is it when I am having an affair you know, in a relationship and having an affair, what is it that I'm really after? Is it the sex? Is it getting off? Or is it that I'm missing connection? Is it that I just need some attention? Is it that I like rock solid abs? Or do I really just want attention from somebody that reminds me of my youth? Because I am sensing my mortality in a way that I haven't before. So sex is can be very good. It can be a wonderful thing. It can, it can help us discover things about ourselves. It's this tool that we have to work with, but we need to stop being afraid to work. Yeah. Okay. So you had a podcast and you, Uh you, you let it go a bit. You told me that. And I was wondering, so, you know, why, why did you let it go? And do you think you'll be resurrecting it? So I was working on a podcast called Sex and Society through, uh, through COVID and uh, I was really enjoying doing it. And I, I had some characters on, some guests on that I never expected to have, but I learned from them. And there, I do, I want to continue discussing this topic. It's so important that, it we, that we have platforms to do it safely. Uh, we can hear the fun things, the fun elements of sex and say, oh yeah, that's, 
that, you know, give us a little excitement during the day, but also that we hear the other aspects of it and mm-hmm. so that we can grow and evolve. And that is important to me. Uh, I am going through this time of transition uh, again, and I don't know how I want to present the podcast or, you know, myself, you know, I'm not sure if I want to just start over on entirely new platforms or, or what. So I'm, I'm up in the air about that. I don't, I don't know, but I do have my website, ValerieBaber.com is where people can get updates. When I've decided what's, what's going to happen, the updates will be there. What was it now? What was the name of it again? Sex and Society. Sex and Society. And is it still, do you still have it out there on iTunes or any of the other syndicates? I was using Libsyn uh-huh. to post it. And I think I, I went and canceled everything on Libsyn. Now, that doesn't mean that shows, I, I, you know, I'm not really sure how it goes on the back end so much. I think that shows might still be available out there, but through the direct source Libsyn, it's... But where were you publishing to from Libsyn? So that would syndicate out into, let's see, Spotify and Apple and all of the major all the major places. So it's st- they still might have your episodes on. They might, they yeah. might, and I and I took a few <laughs> not so great quality videos and put them up on my on my YouTube, um, and so those were. Uh, if people wanted to go to, Valerie I want to go. <laughs> I'm asking for yeah. me and my listeners, like I, mostly me right now. I'm <laughs> I yeah. think I have. I think I still have something up with a uh, a woman in in Florida who tried to open up her relationship after after it being closed for a while, and that was drama. And so she learned about um, how to to manage her relationship. And so mm-hmm. she's neither, if I remember correctly, she's neither you know pro. She's not for or against. She just had this experience that she's sharing with others that I think is really valuable. Yeah, there is a what is it? A, a minister or some religious figure who um, is really hip and and um, the millennial. He's like a millennial sex guru, but from in the church. Right? Oh, cool! So, yeah. yeah, yeah. So there are a lot of different perspectives that that I I worked with, and yeah, just t- even talking about it with you makes me want to do it again. I'm just not sure how to present this again with my new with my new goal and new undertakings. Yeah. Okay. So let's, so since you mentioned your new goal, so let's fast forward uh-huh. to that now. And you're a doctoral student. Yes. Yes. And what set you in that direction? I think that my years and years of experience in adult work and uh, really taking a good hard look at the private sides of, of people, the, the unspoken pains and joys really increased my interest in in psychology even more. And so I did, I was working as a coach for a while and I still do a bit of that. And that was, that started from the work as my, as a sex journalist and in the adult industry. Yeah. How I, I wanted to, I wanted to pursue something beyond coaching and beyond my writing degrees, but I never thought that I, that was, I didn't think that it was going to be available to me. Again, I, grew up in a very, there was, (laughs) I'm not going to say there was no, but a very challenging background, very, Mm -hmm. very limited resources. And I was taught, I can't have anything. I can't do anything. I can't be anyone. And I let that story stick with me for a long time and I shed layers of it, but I didn't really get to the core until recently. And I said, you know what, screw all of that. I 
I won't be happy until I achieve the most and I help people the most. And I really dig into this thing that I've really enjoyed and I can be a doctoral student and I can afford it and I do have the time. So, so I'm doing it in a few years. I will, I will, I'll be there and it's going to be very rewarding in in many ways for me. And you're going to have, you'll have your doctorate in psychology, psychology. Okay. And are you going to specialize in the sexual field or it has, um, it, it seems like the natural thing to do because that's pretty much what I've spent my life doing quite unintentionally. Yeah. Uh, so, so I know, so I know a lot about it. I have a lot of fun talking about it. I think mm-hmm. that I can be, I can be helpful to others in this world. I, I have to say that I, I might want to step outside of that, uh, and also, you know, focus on something else, uh, because I, for many reasons. And, and one of the things that makes me hesitate to market myself as say that the sexual, the sex doctor yeah. is that unfortunately, even now, even though you know, conversations about sex are more open and, and we're learning more. And I like to think that we're growing. A lot of people just can't handle it. They're still very, very stuck in immaturity and they're very, very angry about women who you know, use that in in any career, who present that in any way and they're out to out to destroy yeah. uh, in one way or another. And I have experienced that enough. And I, I really want to to shape that. I don't want to be, you know, this, it's so tough for me because I don't want them to win. Yeah. And and at the same time I do, I want to very, I want to comfortably be able to enjoy what I believe is an important career without their negativity and their demons hunting me and and trying to bring me down with them. So I have a lot to think about. Yeah. Well, I sensed it when we first talked about your, you know, it seemed there's a little bit of, and correct me if I'm wrong, that you wanted to sort of maybe distance yourself a little bit from that part. And I don't know if it was because, again, like you said, you don't want to be pigeonholed into just that lane. But I will say that what's, you know, it is so badly needed. You know, it It really, it really is so badly needed, especially for women. I mean, I can really only think of when you, when I try to think of like, let me think of three prominent females in sexuality, you know, I'm going to think of Dr. Ruth, who, you know, really Mm -hmm. isn't from our era, but love her, love her a lot. Right, of course. Um, Dr. Berman. Mm-hmm. And oh, you, oh um, Esther, Esther, Perel. Esther, Esther Perel. Yeah, Esther I was going to say you could, oh, I was just yes, yes. <laughs> Esther Perel. I love Esther Perel. Do you just I love her? I love her. You she's know, she's amazing. She is the best. I know that she's gone on to cover other topics right now, like death and money. Mm-hmm. But she, for many many years, was talking about um, infidelity and affairs and yes. you know, open relationships and infidelity in a relationship doesn't need to be the end. So, and and only she does it in a way that only Esther could do it because I think if you and I tried to say, hey, you know, so what if someone has a little a little thing on the side? Many people would hate us, but she's just. So so darn smart and likable and charming and she, yes. she delivers the message in a she way that, that people are receptive to. So I, yeah. I love Esther. Yes. Well, 
<laughs> yes, yes. I hear you. I hear you. I'm just, I'm just saying, I mean, uh, I still, I mean, I sense that you and I have a, you know, we, uh, you have a, you have a very strong, you came from a very strong religious background. I don't know where you're at with that at this point in your life, but I actually really embrace my, you know, religion. And I feel like, you know, things guide you. Sometimes people, sometimes you hear someone's peppering you with things, maybe, you know, that you need to hear. And uh, I just think, you know, the more, the more women that we have out there blazing the trail on this subject, the faster we're just going to get over the hump where it's going to be just more easy to talk about and, you know, less of a taboo. I, Mm -hmm. I still don't get why in this day and age, why it's such a taboo, but it is, but, you know, hopefully we can overcome that and move past that. I think I'm seeing that, you know, I'm seeing that with like the millennials and the, and, you know, I feel like they're really doing great with that, but there's still a lot of work to be done. Mm. I wonder, I wonder what's in their future because I, I feel like everybody under a certain age has, you know, their only fans or, you know, is in some form of sex work now. Um, and, and so I wonder if that's going to be an extreme swing in a different direction and, I know. you know, where, where is the, where's the middle? Um, yeah. I, I guess time will tell, time will tell, but yes. um, so yeah, it's, what interests you most about human sexuality? I think what interests what interests me most about human sexuality is that it it's, it seems to me to be the the one thing that we all have in common, you know, regardless of our gender, our race, our socioeconomic background, what country we come, anything. We all have that in our lives. It's a driving force in our life, but we are still so terribly uncomfortable and conflicted with it. And if we were to just, if we could bring topic, if we could bring this topic to the table more often, more comfortably with it, with a larger uh, set of people and work through some of these issues that we have with it, I think that our lives in general would be, would be better. You know, we would be healthier. We would have a better mental health. We would have better relationships with our coworkers, with our families, with our friends. We would, you know, feel sexier. Everything is connected and sex is down deep at that root. If you don't, if you don't get the root, how is everything else going to, going to really flourish? So if we worked on that, we could experience lives in an entirely different way that we're just so fearful to do that. We need, hmm, I feel like there's an analogy coming here, like a gardener's of sexuality. Yeah. It's not yeah. quite coming to me, but. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, hold that thought. Like that could be, that could be episode number two, you know, like <laughs> we'll base Gardener. it all on that. We'll start with that. That'll, we'll lead with that. Yeah. Um, so you were recently on a podcast and the topics covered were affairs, gaslighting, and mismatched libidos. When I give you those like buzzwords, affairs, gaslighting, and mismatched libidos, what Mm -hmm. comes to your mind? Well, affairs is a a big, big, big one. Um, I think that um, a lot of people assume when they go into relationships, they're going to have monogamous relationships. They don't even know what that means. They don't know what monogamy looks like. They don't they, they've never really questioned it. They just think that that's what they're going to do. And then they realize that that's not what they're doing. And for some reason, you know, even though this happens consistently and repeat, repeatedly, people are shocked when it 
when it happens to them and angry when it happens to them. So um, monogamy, I think uh, I'm kind of scattered here. Let me go back. Um, Affairs happen a lot because we're not asking ourselves and our partners the right questions about relationship structures, what they look like, what monogamy means to them. And if there's anything else besides monogamy, that could be a part of of their relationships. I think mismatched libidos happen a lot in long-term relationships. So if you are going to, if you're planning on being in a, a relationship of several years or a lifetime, it, the responsible thing to do with our partner is to have, con- have a conversation with them from the beginning, but then to, consi- to continue to sit down and speak with them about what's working right now. You know, I've, I felt this change. What's changed in you? What would you like to see more of? Well, I don't feel comfortable with that because of this. And try to meet each other physically. And I, and I believe that the physical meeting of each other's expectations and desires begins with the, the understanding, the emotional connection and psychological connection yeah. and having those conversations with your words first. And I know it's harder. It's easier said than done. These things are challenging. Why do you think people are so bad at that? We, and I'm just, I will say it's my opinion that people uh-huh. really, really suck kind tit at this subject. <laughs> I, I, you don't have to, you don't have to say it. I will say it. it there's certain things I'm very opinionated about and, and that uh-huh. I, constantly on this podcast harp about. For me, it's open lines of communication with your partner. I, I just don't, I do not understand why for the life of me, if you're going to sign up for a lifetime with somebody, you will not communicate with them. Mm-hmm. And how you then magically expect that you're going to have this great relationship or that you're going to be disappointed and upset when a partner goes outside of your relationship when you've changed the terms, but you didn't want to discuss it. You know, there's all these things. It just takes, because really the two of you, the beauty of it is the ability of the relationship to be successful or not is just based on the two people involved to meet the needs of their partners. And that just starts with communication and expect that everything else in the world changes constantly. It's our only constant, but that your relationship is going to stay the same from when you were first together is very unrealistic. And I think people, that's why there's so much disappointment in my opinion. Right. Absolutely. Well, our, nobody teaches us. Disney doesn't teach us. Our parents don't, don't speak openly to us. Our grandparents definitely don't speak openly to us about the work that it takes to stay in a relationship they gloss over all the tricky stuff thinking oh they'll figure it out as they go along but we we might figure it out but we're going to figure it out with a lot of stumbling and heartache and and anger and distress yeah Um, so you know previous generations and what we're seeing on tv is really doing us a disservice because it's just not it's not the whole story it's not even half the story and people are think that we know that we need to communicate, but it is people are terrified to do that because they're terrified of the pain that's going to come with that. It's hard for me to, I've heard this before. I don't want to tell her that I would like to see her wear this certain outfit or do this certain thing because then she's going to question where I learned that. And it's going to turn into this whole big you know, issue. I would rather right. just avoid the blow up and go on the side 
than to than to come forth with my new discovery that I really like um, blue honey burdette, you know? So yeah, yeah right. <laughs> but don't, um, don't, but this is my question to people. It takes a lot of energy and effort to go outside and do something behind your partner's back. Yeah. A lot, a lot more than it would to just have a conversation. You know what well, I'm saying? I, I absolutely yeah. know what you're saying. It's going to take more energy to do the shady thing or, you know, maybe it's not so shady. I'm not, I, I take yeah. that back. It's not necessarily shady, but, you know, do the other thing, do the thing on the side. And it's probably going to have worse results in the end absolutely. than it would if you just had the difficult conversation. But people want to put off things for so It's It's kind of like ghosting. Yeah. You know, people, if they decide, you know, the sex wasn't that great or they're just not that into you or they like you, but they like someone better or whatever the reason, yeah. instead of saying, hey, you know what, thanks so much for your time. I really enjoyed meeting you. And I've also got this other thing going on and I'd like to, to focus my attention there. They would yeah. rather just be a total, you know, immature dick and just, just abandon you than have to say the thing that they know is painful to hear. Yeah. I just appreciate, I'm just somebody that's always appreciated honesty above all else. I made it, I don't have to like what I'm hearing, but I will, I guarantee you, I will appreciate it. I will understand what it took for you to be someone of that character and caliber that could be straightforward with me. And I will end up liking you a lot more. And probably there, there might be a little secret wish. Well, gee, I wish things could have been different because he's such a good guy. Instead, you're going to vacate my life as a dick. <laughs> yeah. You know, like, I just be like, what a jerk. Ugh, so glad I dodged that bullet. You know, like, that's, that's a, you know, you can send me off one of two ways thinking, this guy, I'm so glad I, that's some, that's somebody else's problem. Thank God. You know, oh, there's or, a story here. Or, there's a story here. Yeah. Or, um, I really, wow, man, what a good guy. He, He's someone who the girl that gets him is going to be really lucky, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I, this reminds me of um, someone that I knew in my early twenties that I just went gaga for. And I would have, I would have stayed in, in his life for a really long time, which I think he wanted me to do if he had just been honest with me about his activities outside. Mm-hmm. But instead of that, he decided to lie to me and, and let me, ball for him and think that he was the only one for me and I was the only one for him. And then I realized the hard way I actually met my best friend of many, many years following that because her business card was at the, um, on his car floorboard. And then, so I learned that he was sleeping with her and then through conversations with her, I learned that he was sleeping with a couple of her colleagues and yeah. And, and that really, really frustrated me. And I wasn't, I wasn't asking for monogamy. I wasn't even asking for monogamy. I want it. If he had just said, Hey Val, I really like you and I want you to stick around, but I also really like these other girls. Yeah. This is what I have to offer. It's limited Yeah, because I want to explore something else. I would have been, thank you. I'm going to adjust my part now. So I know yeah. how, you know, how, how to, to move forward. Yeah. And, thank you for in, informing me. Yeah. And instead he just destroyed it with, with myself and my new best friend. We both dumped him at the same time. <laughs> That's so, right. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so then the last one. This is one of my personal pet peeves, the gaslighting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, so um this 
gaslighting, the first, the first thing that comes to my mind when in terms of like infidelity, cheating is, is somebody saying, you know, no, I'm not having an affair. It's all in your head. Yes. I spend, yes, I work late on Friday and Saturday nights now for the past three months. And my assistant is really hot, but there's nothing going on. You're just insecure. Yeah. Is that the, is that the kind of thing they're thinking about when you, well, yeah, just, just instead of being honest, then you just try to flip it around and, and make it gaslight the person. Like they're crazy, you know, that how could they even think this? And for whatever, and insert whatever you're insecure, you just don't trust anybody, you know, however, whatever filler they want to put in there, same, yeah. you know, same thing. But well, that's a, that's a very in, insensitive partner in my mind. If I think that a, a solid partnership, if, if one person goes to the other person and says, I'm feeling, I'm feeling uneasy about this. I've noticed these things and they make me think that this is happening. Can you talk through this with me? The person on the receiving end of that, if they truly do care for their partner, if they love their partner or they want this to be at the very least good, a good communication with, with another human being with a heart, they're going to say, okay, let's address all of these elements. This is, this is what's happening. and, And you're right to this extent. And maybe not so right to that extent. And how can I help you feel more comfortable? If the person who is feeling uncomfortable continues to not feel uncomfortable, I say, listen, listen to your heart. We know we have very good instincts. We know deep down inside when, you know, what's, what's happening. So gaslighting that's, that just comes attached to a really destructive, toxic personality type. But if it, it's a, it's a one-time thing. Explore that. If it keeps going on, explore yourself and, and get out. Right. These, these, people are, these people are not good. Habitual. <laughs> if, if it's habitual, just run. Right. <laughs> That's what I say. Mm-hmm. Okay. So how do you feel that the media treats women or the sexual desirability of women who are no longer in their 20s? Uh, well, I think that there are maybe a handful of women who are no longer in their 20s that are, are still really hot. Like Jennifer Lopez, yeah. know, for instance. And who who else do they, you know, it's funny, I can't even think. Maybe Demi Moore for a while. They were... They're yeah, all over about. her now for doing, saying she's had plastic surgery and it looks bad. Oh. And, you know, just like... Uh, yeah. So so there are a handful for, for the most part... Um, yeah, it, it is women in, in their 20s that are just objectified. As we age, you're talking about um, people ripping into to actresses for, you know, getting work done. So things change as we age. And, you know, we can go in the way of Cameron Diaz and just embrace ourselves as we age and, and try to, or definitely carry out just like, this is me being beautiful at 50, at 60, right. at 70. yeah. And, and a lot of us aren't, aren't, myself included, aren't entirely comfortable with that. You know, I do things now to myself that I didn't do in my 20s. Yeah. Well, you didn't need to. Nobody needs to in their 20s. Although <laughs> some 20-year-olds are doing it, which I find completely bonkers. But, you know, because that's really yeah. like, don't mess with that. You know, like this is... This is what, this is what nature's given you. This is like, this is the primo stuff here. Don't mess with it. Just wait. (laughs) 
Yes. <laughs> I, I know. These babies. I had a, yeah. who was it? She was like a 23-year-old girl who did my lashes once a, a year ago. And she told me that she was going to some other country for a Brazilian butt lift. I'm like, oh, you're 23. Come how on, is your butt, How does your butt need to be lifted at 23? Everybody, we're all so insecure. We're all so insecure. We see these you know, unrealistic images and yeah. the, you know the, all the filters. And before filters, it was Photoshop. And it's just right. this endless barrage of faux beauty, faux. highly faux. manufactured beauty. Mm-hmm. And everybody mm-hmm. feels that they, well, not everybody, that's that's an absolute. Many yeah. people feel that they need to live up to it. 20s. And and then on, yeah. There, there's even more pressure. You know, we yeah. feel like we women outside of our twenties feel like we're not in our prime. We have to we have to try a little bit harder to to get the attention. Maybe so we start putting things in our faces and fillers and Botox yeah. and, and yeah. things like that. I think that there's nothing wrong with that as long as there are few a few cases that I think people see where people may be struggling with some pretty serious mental illness Mm -hmm. and that could be visible through their work. Yeah. I think in most cases, the work that we, that we do to try to stay young forever or present as our best, um, as as we get older, it it actually can be very, very tastefully done. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. So it's interesting. So the reason that I kind of put through this question in there was a lot of stuff because, you know, being, I think, you know, just, I've certainly noticed it in my life, you know, where you, when you, I think when you move out of your twenties, you're like, Oh, I'm not in my twenties anymore, you know? And and you, and then you start to see that kind of that difference and that divide and I'm not unhappy about it, but I notice like sometimes it doesn't happen very often, but every once in a while it happened and it did happen the other day where men feel that it's appropriate to sort of, that's their go-to jab against you. It is, um, Oh, right. And I'll give you, let me give you an example. So someone had contacted me and showed me some pictures and he's, he was 61, which for me is not, I'm, that's older than I'm interested in and nothing wrong with 60. I mean, you know, and, and I said, oh, but you know, I complimented him. I said, oh, are those recent pictures? You know, they, you, you look very good for your age. And he said, yeah, they're recent. And, I, and then I said, oh, so you're married because he had hey. a wedding ring on. Okay. Because, well, this is literally all I say, you know, and he's like, well, yeah, well, you don't, I guess you're just bitter given your age. Wow. <laughs> what, how did we get from this to that? Like I'm bitter because of my age, you know, like, and, and he made it sound like that was expected. He expected that, you know, and yeah. I'm like, well, I'm sorry. If, let me just tell you what you can expect. I don't know. I don't know where the age comes in, but I can tell you that I am not interested in, and I've made that clear. I made that clear beforehand. And then, you know, I sort of trapped you by asking you if those were recent pictures. I was giving you the option to say, oh no, you know, because again, I didn't think they were. I didn't know if they were. They looked, look, those have come pretty good for 61. I haven't seen a lot of yeah. 61s looking like that, but maybe he did. And then, you know, and then he just was well, you know, better. You're you're just better. No, I'm I'm actually just not interested in being in the middle of someone else's relationship. That's really all I'm getting at here. And I'm not going to be subject. I mean, my my this is my thing. What I tell people about because I do get approached by a lot of married men, and I just say, you know, I'm just not. I am not interested. I have all the freedom in the world, and I'm not interested in being subject to the limitation of what's not going right in your life. 
I think that's amazing that you know, you know, and that's one of the beautiful things about, you know, being. That is one of the beautiful things about being my age and not, it's not bitterness. It's called wisdom. (laughs) You you have experience, you have wisdom and, and you weren't being bitter at all. You were just saying, this is what I want for myself. And this is what I don't. He was being bitter. Ironically, there's, there's some projection there. He was being bitter that, that he didn't get what he wanted. You hurt his ego. And, you know, a lot of men have some very giant, very fragile ego. So you hurt him by telling him no. He's yeah. And he's probably not accustomed to that from my, my first thought when you said that. And I understand that this is based off, this might be an entirely different situation. Yeah. I don't want to give your listeners any ideas about, you know, you know, what you're doing or who you're hanging out with. But based off my experience, my thought is okay, the 60 year old man is, is accustomed to dating 20 year old women. I'm guessing that you saw him on a website where maybe some younger women hang out. Yeah. And those 20 something year old women will say yes to him and stroke his ego and stroke other things besides his ego sure. because, because 20 year old women, I think in a situation where they're dating a 60 year old man, they want his resources. Absolutely. You know, they are, they're after his money. They're after what he can physically materially provide him with. Yeah. And so he's just accustomed to them always saying, yes, yes, daddy, sure. Daddy. So they can, so that he can shell out the cash. You yeah. are, you know, being more experienced, having had a a career already. I'm assuming yeah, that yes. you are much more capable of taking care of yourself. Absolutely, you're not, yeah. you're not coming from the same needy place. You don't have your hands held out for any, you know, for a buck or a Starbucks card <laughs> that some dude's gonna hand gonna hand to you. And so, believe me, it would cost him more than a Starbucks card. <laughs> I, you know, I've had. <laughs> I, I, I say that to you because I actually I have met men in in my voyage who who tried to interest me and things that I found of not nearly enough value. So, and I'm pretty sure a Starbucks card was one of them, but because you aren't, <laughs> you aren't needy, yeah. you know, yeah. you, you can, you have more options. You can say yes. You can say no. You know, what's going to work from you. You are empowered. Mm-hmm. He is threatened by that. He doesn't like the empowered women. And that another reason that I think we see so many super age mismatched relationships. Now this is, and this is coming from someone who I generally date men who are older than me, but. Oh, I have two. I have two. I have someone in my life too. That's, that's older, by the way. I just, but this guy just, I knew where he was going. You know, I just was like, I know I could smell it a mile away. I'm like, here it comes. And he's married and he's, he's trying to pretend like he's not, and he's not smart enough to not even send a picture with his damn wedding ring on. (laughs) Well, these girls don't even, the girls that he's used to talking to don't even care that he's, they, uh, that he's married. Probably they just not. want to tell you, pay my rent, daddy, grandpa, in this case, you know? <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, yeah, you're just too darn empowered for him. Well, I hope other women, I mean, my, I had this talk one time, I had a friend on my podcast, and I said, and we were hypothesizing that, you know, if, Every woman had $5 million in the bank account, in her own bank account. There'd be a lot of lonely guys, you know, because once once you take the finances out of it, women are able to make different decisions based on different things. And it's usually more, who do I really love? Yeah. If you if you can take the if you can take that out, then you're gonna start to get down to what they really want. Uh-oh. Yes. I, yes. So then everybody's gonna have to do a whole lot more work on themselves because yeah. of all the peacocking and 
yep. you know, opening the wallet's not going to do it. That's not going to be it. That's not the driver. I'm not saying, no, I'm not saying that men that are ambitious and that right. work and accomplish things. I mean, I'm a business person. I love that. That's very hot and sexy to me. Uh-huh. I, because I know what it takes and the commitment and the drive. And I have that myself. And so when I see that, it's like, it's an aphrodisiac on some mm-hmm. levels, but it's not because of what they can give me. It's because probably, I mean, it's probably very narcissistic to be honest. I'm probably just like, I see things in them that I love about myself. And so I, that I'm drawn to that. I'm like, yes, you're one of my nice. peeps. You know, like, we're on the same page. You get it. <laughs> You're, you're like an alpha, you take control, you know what you want, yeah. you're going to go find it and make things happen for you. Yeah. yeah. And which is, you yeah. know, and when, when you see men do it, I mean, that's, that's very sexy. Yes. So let's move into your Tumblr. Okay. Because I love, Tumblr is my favorite social media, even, and a lot of people are like, Tumblr, why? And to me, it's something I, about the fact that I can just sit there and, Look, it's it's mindless and it's enjoyable. I can look at my feed and just go reblog, 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 and I have to think about it. It's almost like a, it's it's almost relaxing for me. But I love what. So when I saw yours, I was like, and you you do it differently because your stuff's very personalized. And so I'm like, oh, there's a lot here. Like I can, and then then I learned some things about you, and I was, and so that I just wanted to uh, share that with uh, with everyone. So let me take a look that. So just like <clears throat> Sex and Society, the podcast and, and many other platforms that I have online, this one has been a bit neglected. Too, it's okay. But I, That's okay. But yeah. But we've got still got some stuff up there and it looks like the most recent the most recent was from December. Yes. It's a, you say, okay, so you have a picture of it. It says please leave by nine. Yes. Now, is this about like when you just want a guy to leave, you want him to leave or what, what's behind this? <laughs> oh my goodness. So my closest girlfriend got me this candle by a company called Malicious Women that I think is just awesome now. I'm, oh, I'm a big fan. So cool. Malicious Women and it smelled great and it's in this jar and on the jar is a sticker that's the biggest statement says, please leave by, by nine o'clock. And yeah, I would say that's a really fitting gift for me because I have sort of a time limit to my love, I suppose. <laughs> oh, yeah. Getting deep. Um, I say that lightly. So, so as much as, as much as I might love somebody's company and enjoy someone's company, you know, as, as hot as the, the moment might be or comfortable as the moment might be or whatever the situation is, I need to have an opportunity to stop and go back inside my own little cave and restore. I need to have an opportunity to miss someone me to want too. to continue seeing them. Oh, me too. Mm-hmm. I love, yes, mm-hmm. I love my space as much as I love them. It's equal. Yes. But I love my, but I don't want, I just, I need my time. I need my space. And that's sort of like to regroup and, you know, and refocus. And sometimes it's just to process what is going on with them and what I'm feeling. And I so need that, but it's not a reflection of me not liking them, but that's the way some guys take it. 
It, yes, yes. There are people who just, they, they want the constant attention. They want to be around people. They have a lot, they have a, a larger battery life, let's mm-hmm. say, for, for social interaction. And yeah. depending on our attachment styles, we might read uh, it differently when someone says, hey, I just need to be left alone. Or like when they might show signs of maybe losing interest after a certain amount of hours together. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. So that's right. what that came up about. Yes. Okay. So then, then the next one here, I thought this was interesting. It's a picture of a woman. That is that you? That is me. That's my <gasps> back. Oh my good. I was going to say back. a very beautiful woman with a very beautiful back and a beautiful backside and thank lovely you. breasts. <laughs> uh, they've changed since then, but thank you. I think yeah. that they were nice then, and and they're pretty good. they're pretty great now too. But yeah. Um, <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, I shot in, I believe, East Hollywood with this photographer named Edward Yesus. He does sort of dark, moody, erotic mm-hmm. photos. And this one was the, he's an artist, so there's, yeah. there's no, nothing explicit. But this one was the best it's uh, very beautiful. for me to, yeah, best for me to share on social media, in, yes. in my opinion. And so there was sort of a, a personalized message there too, which people took in a number of different ways. It was interesting to see how, how people read into that on um, Instagram. It also went on to my Instagram. So. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so you were saying, and so here you're saying that you'd like to see women being made sex objects less and being made art subjects more. That's right. That's right. So we're a little bit of a, there's a time and a place for everything. So mm-hmm. objectification itself is not bad, you know, but to only ever be sexually objectified is, and there's so much beauty in us. And even if we're naked, there's, you know, there's erotic beauty and why can that not be interpreted? I, I wish that there could be more of a, a love for the art of women and less that when we look at a, an image similar to this, it's it's less uh, like oh yeah, I, I want to I tear that up, you know, and more of a well, I would really admire and adore that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> so now the next, I like this one too, and I want this one. I want you to. I, I have a feeling there's there's some there's something behind <laughs> this one. It says it's a picture of a guy. He's, he's playing. Looks like a, a mandolin. Is that a mandolin? Mm-hmm. Okay. I, I, yeah, I think your guess is is better than mine. So okay. <laughs> and he says, and she's uh, looking in through the window, and he says, "Damn girl, are you a religious scripture? Because I want to constantly misinterpret you for my own benefit." <laughs> oh my! Does does that even need any uh, you know any explanation? I, men men definitely do, and I gosh, I feel that I, I have said several things today that um, might make men feel like they're being picked on. So guys, I just want you to know that um, I adore you um, and, and we all have faults. And so please don't feel picked on. But in, in yeah. that being said, I'm going to say that men often <laughs> misinterpret women, you know, on the subject yeah. of objectific- objectification where, where they'll see a woman looking you know, beautiful and think that it's an invitation. They'll see a woman smiling and think that it must mean that that woman wants to know him sexually. And uh, I, You're free to approach me and hey, why don't you slide a dick pic into my inbox without even saying hello, you know, things like right. that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I'm with you. I'm with you. Okay. I love this. This is my favorite. We'll, we'll stop at this one. But I was like, wow, 
I didn't know, and I didn't know this about you. So this is—I don't know if a lot of people know this about you, but I always love to find out, find little little things, little nuggets. You know, hopefully when I when I chat with someone that maybe they haven't talked about before. But there's a gorgeous picture of you, and you said Halloween is canceled. Oh hell no! My inner goth girl refuses to let a silly pandemic stand in the way of her vamping it up this season. So. You have an inner goth girl, which you mentioned the latex earlier, but is that kind of part of it? Yeah, yeah. I would say that it's more, there might be a bit of goth in me, but I real, I'm really very drawn to the fashion, um, like a, sort of a goth fashion, a BDSM. Mm-hmm. I do love latex, that shiny, you know, shiny, rubbery, you know, look. And this dress that I'm wearing in this picture is a very... I, I, I rolled the dice on it. I ordered it from Amazon. <laughs> I thought I was. I thought I was going to. It might be um, a dinner dress or a sexy date night dress, and it was a little too little for that. But it did make, I think, a, a good uh, image for Halloween and and uh, goth girl outfits. So yeah, we've got some side boob action happening there. This deep V cut. It is. It's feeling it's, sassy. You are feeling yourself in that. You look good. <laughs> you are looking great. Yeah, that's beautiful. Uh, it's you got front boob, side boob. It's, it's all working. I love it. Yeah, very good. And so I, we see we didn't even get into BDSM and all that stuff. That's we're just we're just gonna have to like. There's so much we'll more to, to talk more. about. Yeah. Are you a fan of BDSM? Yeah. Uh, you know, I here's what I appreciate. Oh, goodness, and this is coming from a, a girl. <laughs> You're going to get mixed messages here. I have a box. I have a wooden box in, in my bedroom that is full of objects, mostly BDSM objects. That being said, I'm, I wouldn't call myself a, a practitioner or a lifestylist. I am um, very interested in exploration. And I too am a curious girl. So I like to explore and understand things. I will bring elements of BDSM into relationships now and then if I have a willing partner. But I, I wouldn't I wouldn't use that label to identify myself. Okay. So it's it's a kink. Yeah. Kink. Yeah. Yeah. You like the play. I sure do. Yeah. It's, it's hot. <laughs> I know. It's, I sure do. I do I sure yeah. do too. <laughs> It's like, it's like one of my favorites. Yeah, I absolutely love it. Um, And one, one of the great things about one of the things that I really respect about BDSM is I believe that people who do it well, who do it right are very good communicators. And as we were saying earlier, we need to be better at that in our relationships, but so many people are crap at it. So if you can do, if you can bring BDSM into your bedroom or playroom or dungeon or wherever you go and manage that, then there's no reason that you shouldn't be able to manage a conversation in in real life or normal life. Carol, you are preaching to the choir. I say that <laughs> on this show all the time. I say the one thing that I, what I, why I love it and have really found myself in it is because it requires excellent communication between two people. And it's actually been the deepest, strongest, most probably really life-changing relationship that I've ever had and experienced and the deepest Mm -hmm. I've ever gone and connected with another human being. So it takes a tremendous amount of trust. So in addition to to communication, you Mm -hmm. have to trust. It takes vulnerability, surrender. All the things I don't want to be good at as as a, all the things I don't want 
to be good at as a woman out there in the business world because those things don't suit you. But right. but when you can let that wall down with with your partner, it's amazing. It's just I think for me, it's the most fulfilled as a woman I've ever been. And you have to be in tune in tune with each other, really paying attention to each other, even when you're not using words. Yeah, you have to be sort of almost psychic. You really look at the body language, listen to breath, slow down, be aware in ways that lovers aren't generally aware of each other. Right. So, hyper observant. Hyper observant. Yes. Yeah. Oh, yes. I love it. Okay. Oh, goody. We got more to talk about. I love that. Okay. So what do you, here's, here's my final question. What do you okay. wish you knew and what would you advise your 20 year old self of now? Advise my 20 year old self of now. There are so many things. There are so many lessons I wish I could take back with me. I would like my 20 year old self to know I was in some relationships with some very narcissistic people. I got caught up in um, some glam and some things that um, I didn't have. I wasn't exposed to at all in my youth. And I I just placed um, too much value on them. And I allowed myself to be really, really hurt by some very dangerous people. Um, I would protect myself from that. I, I would have also told myself to go for it to go for it even more in my twenties, not so much the relationship with those, those guys, but my career, I was very reserved, reserved in my career. So it was long lasting, but I didn't do as much work as the other girls would have. And I think that's because they didn't have this God shame, you know, the fear of what it was my family going to say, what is, how fast is, is God going to send me to hell? And so if I would have just said, you know what, this is who I am. This is what I do. There's nothing wrong with it. I'm running with it. I think I would have been in a much better place. And I, I would have told myself to believe that I can, in fact, you know, I deserve to have what I want, whether that be a good career or positive relationships with positive people or a doctorate degree. I deserve it and I can afford it. And I may not, uh, you know, I would not have been able to see how at the time, but I know that when you are determined to find answers, they will reveal themselves to you. So I wish I had known all of those things. I hope I don't have to pick just one. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. No, that's great. Okay. Now, so tell everybody where they can find you. Okay. So the main hub to go to is ValerieBaber.com. That's my website. So if I have, if I restart old links, uh, they will be, they will be available there. If I create any new platforms that will be available there. So ValerieBaber.com, but I'm also you know on Twitter and Instagram. I try to keep it really simple by just keeping everything my name. Yeah. Like Valerie Baber at Valerie Baber. So perfect. Perfect. Yeah. All right. Well, everybody, thank you so much for listening. You guys know where you can reach out to me. You can always go to the website, thecuriousgirldiaries.com. And if you have a message for me about this episode or one for Valerie, I will get it to her. Just click on the pink tab on the right-hand side and leave me a voicemail. You know, I love voice. So leave me a voicemail. Don't be shy. I've extended the time. You can talk for five minutes now. So let it rip. All right, guys. Thank you so much. Everybody stay safe. Love you guys. Bye. Thanks so much for listening. And if you like what you hear, refer me to a friend. And make sure you're following me on social media. Also, go to the website, thecuriousgirldiaries.com and join my subscribers only list for access to exclusive content. And as usual, questions or comments, you can always email me at curiousgirl at thecuriousgirldiaries.com.